good morning. Great to be with you guys all again. Hope you guys have had a, a great week, especially uh, you Loudoun County people who didn't even go to school this week. Asynchronous, yeah, right. That you, yeah, that is. Let, let's be real. Okay, um, can I get a little more light here? I feel like I'm in the dark. Okay. Um, well, since uh, since there was uh, no real school for those of us in Loudoun County this week. Sorry, Fairfax and homeschoolers. And anyway, normally like the Loudoun County gets the, gets the worst. So this is one time I feel like Loudoun County can kind of stick it to other people. Um, since you didn't have school this week, uh, Sarah and I uh, went up to uh, New York City. I had never really been to New York City before other than going uh, through the airports or something like that. Um, and we did a lot of like the touristy things, saw the Statue of Liberty, uh, saw, went to Ellis Island, the 9-11 Memorial Empire State Building, saw Hamilton. We did see Hamilton. Um, also went and uh, went and found a lot of random places that like I really like the movie Elf, right? And so like it was filmed in New York City. So like the bridge where there was the snowball fight, found that in Central Park and a few other silly things that only me, I care about. Um, but had a had a good time there. But we're there and we're uh, we're in New York City and we're walking through Times Square. And, you know, it's the city, the city and all, all that sort of stuff. And I was like, hey, there's some street performers there. Let's watch some of the street performers, right? And, um, and there's a bunch of guys. They're doing their little, like, I don't know, breakdance, cool things. They look cool. Stuff that I look at, I'm like, dang, I could never do that. No, they're doing a few tricks. They haven't really done, done that much. I felt like there were a lot of hype, not a lot of performance, but that's a different story. And... They pull out this kid, and then someone, you know, this little short kid, and some one of the guys like does like a backflip, jumping over the kid or something. I was like, oh, that's cool. And they're like, okay, now we're gonna have our, our grand finale. I'm like, okay, cool. Let's uh, let's see this. And I'm just kind of you know standing. There's a crowd of crowd of people around, and they're like, we need some volunteers for this. Uh, um, this is what they called me. Okay, so just you know before you say, it. they're like, sexy white dude. Okay, <laughs> like. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, and yeah, <laughs> thanks. Um, anyway, and I'm kind of looking around, like you know, I'm looking around, like you know, what I mean? we need you to come up here, okay? And they call me and a, a few other people, and then they do this kind of whole whole shtick. They're like, look, normally when you have street performers and they do that kind of their grand finale, everyone leaves and never like tips them or anything like that. So before we do our grand finale, you need to give us give us money and we think you should donate like twenty bucks. All this all this sort of stuff. And they're making us hoopla and you know, as people are giving them donating donating to them before they do their kind of grand finale. And you know, initially I had had this like, oh, this is, this would be cool. Like, hey, we're in a city. I'm part of a street performer doing their thing, and it quickly becomes very apparent. They did not call me because they were impressed because I was some sexy white dude, right? They, we were, you know, we were actually about to go see a show on Broadway, and they were, I was, you know, dressed kind of nice, and they're like, this guy. There you go, Mark. Mark's got it. this guy. This guy is, is must have some money. They didn't know I was a pastor, but whatever. <laughs> but they kind of have you, kind of like 
they get kind of like trapped. You're like, well, we're doing our, our show and our thing. Everyone else here that's volunte- volunteering is paying money. You must pay some money too. I kind of felt like it was a little bit of a hostage. And anyway, in the end, I end up giving them 20 bucks. And, and it, it really wasn't, the, okay, don't get me wrong. I could not do, it, do this. So, but I was like, they just had three of us kind of like right next to each other. And they're like, squat down. No, you got to squat lower, squat lower. I'm like, and then they're like, hold this for five minutes. I'm like, dude, I Anyway, um, I did a squat, and they, some guy, I don't know what they did. I'm assuming someone jumped over me and did a flip over me or something like that. Um, the point is, they didn't care about a relationship with me. They didn't have, value my friendship. They did not even think I was a sexy white dude, right? They wanted something from me. They wanted money, and, and I was just a tool. I was a commodity to them. I wasn't a, a friend, a relationship, or anything like that. And, and I think we do the exact same thing with so many of our friends and so many of the people around us. Now, we're not as overt or, or open about that. We're a little more subtle. Um, but this is what I want to dive into today. I mean, and as we're in this whole kind of series, as we're in this whole blessed to bless uh, series, and we'll wrap it up uh, next week here in Senior High. I want to talk about how I believe we have been blessed relationally. We've been blessed with, with, with friends and, and all that uh, in this relational aspect. And then how that should translate into how we should bless other people. Um, you know, kind of, the, kind of the key point that I'd love for you to take away from today is that people are not trophies or commodities. And what do, what do I mean by that? You know, with a trophy, I put it on my shelf and say, look at how awesome I am because I have, uh, I, I won this thing. It's a thing. And I think we can do that very easily with other people. Look, I am cool because I have this posse of people around me. It's about how these people make me feel. You need to be in my posse so that I kind of have this, this status, Right. Why do you have that girlfriend? So that I have a girlfriend. Because it makes me look cooler that I have a girlfriend or a boyfriend. I don't really care about the girlfriend or boyfriend, but I have one, right? Um, and, it, and there's so many ways that we treat people like, like trophies, right? Um, or we treat them like a commodity. A commodity is a resource. Something, it's like my money, right? I have money, I can buy money, I can use it, I can leverage it for what I can get with that commodity, right? What can I get out of this friendship? How do I use it to my advantage? Whether they have the cooler toys or the car and they can give me a ride or whatever. Um, I, again, I see this a lot in like dating relationships, etc. right? I feel cool, I feel secure because I have that boyfriend, because I have that girlfriend. Um, it's a security they're, they're giving me. And I might trade a little, little bit of this and that to get it. Just like I would trade at the stock market a little bit, a little money to get something else. And we can treat people like they are trophies and commodities. And it comes back to this, what do I get from it? How does this make me feel? Um, so 
Before we dive in too far today, love for you to answer these two questions at your table. Take a couple minutes. What are ways you see teens treating other people like trophies or commodities? I want you to maybe kind of think about that for a minute. And then if if you saw a friend down, how would you practically encourage them? Guys, got uh, three minutes at your tables. Go. If I could get a few people to help me out, give me some ways that you see teens treating others like trophies or commodities. Mr. Braun. Okay, I don't really care about you, but I'm going to beat you up to get, get status. Yeah. Okay, yeah, like I selectively make friends with, uh, with someone who I think is going to, who I'm going to help my status. Yeah. Okay, you know, you're not really their friend, but you're going to pretend to be their friend because they're going to help you with your homework, yeah. Networking to get, like, a job. Okay, well, yeah, it's a really popular trend right now. They all talk about networking to get a job, Sonny. Okay, initially someone is like, hey, making, being friends with you, and they're nice to you, but then, hey, I'm going to ditch them as soon as I have an po- opportunity for popularity, yeah. Okay, yeah, on social media, a lot of the influencers, are they, do they really have genuine friendships? Yes. Okay, I have no one else to hang out with, so I guess you're better than no one. Okay, well, that's kind of a, shh, I think you can kind of see, shh, I think you can kind of see some of the ways uh, that, that people do this, and I, wanna, I want us to honestly be prayerful and considerate, Lord, are there some ways that I am doing this? Where are you speaking to me in the middle of this? Uh, we're going to look at a story uh, about David, Jonathan, and Mephibosheth uh, in, uh, in the four, first and second Samuel today. But before we do that, let me pray, and then we'll dive into God's Word. God, I come before you just grateful and thankful for this day and the opportunity you have, you've given us to gather together, Lord. And God, now, as we dive into your word, I pray you would teach us, uh, illuminate our hearts today, Lord God, and I pray that we would see how we've been relationally blessed by you. And God, may we, may we love, may we care for, may we invest in other people in a rich way uh, in response to your goodness today. In your son's name we pray, amen. Okay, um, real quick, just so everyone knows the context uh, of uh, of this, a first king of Israel was anyone know who the first king of Israel was? Jeremiah, Saul. Okay, oh that was a terrible throw. Um, Saul's the first king of Israel, but he disobeys God, and God says, "Hey, you're not going to be king anymore." Uh, instead, who does God say is going to become king? Yes, David. Okay, um, David. David is going to become king, and so hey. Nikki, just to help you out, what does Saul want to do when he hears, hears about that? He wants to kill him. Okay, good job. Good job, Nikki. Okay, um, okay. but here's the real rub here um, in this friendship that happens between David and Jonathan. Jonathan is Saul's son, and he is next in line to become king. So for David and Jonathan to really become tight, really to become friends, it does take Jonathan saying, dude, I'm, I know I am giving up my right to become king. I am putting that down to be your friendship. Talk about choosing the, the person over how it could personally bless you, right? He is going to put 
his friendship, his relationship, the person above what, how it could uh, bless him. So uh, there's this feast that Saul's throwing, and he wants David to show up, and he's going to kill David at it. And one day at the feast, Jonathan's like, yeah, uh, he needs to run home for Bethlehem for, for a little family business. And this is what we read in 1 Samuel 20. It says this. Uh, then Saul's anger was kindled against Jonathan. He's mad at his son, and he said to him, you son of a perverse and rebellious woman. Here's a nice insult. Do I not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse, that's David, to your own shame and to the shame of your mother's nakedness? He's like, you chose him over us, you arrogant, stupid kid. For as long as the son of Jesse, that's David, lives on the earth, neither you nor his, your kingdom shall be established. Therefore, send and bring him to me, for he shall surely die. Okay? Um, again, you, you really clearly see what Jonathan is choosing here. He is putting the person over the, over the commodity, over, over what he can personally get from, hit, uh, from this. Um, and, and not only do you see that in the way that Jonathan and, and Jonathan and David's friendship, you see all the ways that Jonathan uh, cares for David. David's freaking out because Saul is trying to kill him again. And we read this a few chapters later. It says, David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life. Okay, David's, David, and it'll say David goes and flees because he knows Saul's about to kill him. Even though Saul has made like the third or fourth promise to him, oh, don't worry, I'm not going to kill you. And Jonathan, Saul's son, rose and went to David at Horesh. Okay? It says, David fled, David stared, and his friend, what does he do? His friend goes after him, pursues him, and finds him. And then it says, and he strengthened his hand in God. It doesn't say he strengthened his hand in feeling good about himself. He strengthened him in God. And he said to him, do not fear for the hand of Saul, the hand of Saul, my father shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel and I shall be next to you. Saul, my father knows this. He reminds him, God had made a promise to David and said, hey, you're going to be king. He reminds him of that promise and says the two of them made a covenant uh, before, before the Lord. Um, he goes out again, he pursues him, he encourages him. Um, and this is what you should see in a high quality friendship right here. Um, it's kind of a kind of sidebar here on how do you encourage other people? Okay, this is this is so textbook and awesome for how what good encouragement looks like. First of all, he sees he 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 rose up and he went. He pursued his friend. Um, you know this when you're struggling or when your friend's struggling. Our typical response is to hide. It's to be alone. It's to go to our go to our room or to just watch something on Netflix or YouTube, um, play some video game, and we hide from other people when we're struggling. When you're worried, when you're down, you don't want to be around other people. We naturally tend to hide, um, and it's really easy in in our present generation. Um, and and that's where, um, man. Saul, or excuse me, Jonathan sees that. He says, I'm going to pursue him. And for us today, when we see our friends down, we know that something's wrong. Will we be the ones to initiate and pursue them? Man, if, if, um, if you are willing to pursue other people, you will end up being like everyone's best friend. 
Our world today is desperate for people to, who are willing to pursue others. If you just text them and say, hey, let's hang out. You know you're just going to play that video game. Even if you say, hey, I'm playing this video game, come play with me online, right? Um, and I know it's hard because a lot of times you feel like you're the only one pursuing other people. Like, I pursue all my friends. None of my friends ever invite me to do so. Don't worry about it. Keep pursuing. Keep saying, hey, this is what we're gathering to do. This is what we're going to do. This is we're going we're gonna to go hang out. That means so much to people that you're willing to pursue. Next thing you see here and how he encourages them, it says he strengthened his hand in God. Um, I think a lot of times when we want to encourage other people, we want to distract, we try to distract them or we try to give them some sort of corny advice, um, some nice, sweet saying. I, okay. This is a few years ago. Uh, basically, this woman's husband had died, right? And this other student, I saw this, and it was, oh my gosh, I did not. Anyway, the woman's husband had died, and this other student, this student, uh, maybe 13, 14 at the time, goes to, goes to her and is like, yeah, you know, I know how you feel. My dog died the other week. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, like, husband dying versus dog dying, like, yes, your dog dying, that's very sad. But you do not know how the person feels, okay? Um, and a lot of times I feel like we push these cheesy sayings. But what we really need to do is we need to point them to the Lord. Look, look at how he does it. He's, he reminds him of God's promises to him. God had promised that David would be king. And he's like, David, you don't see this right now. You're struggling right now. Yes, it's discouraging. Yes, you're running for your life. But remember God's promises. You don't need your friends to latch on to you in their times of struggle, right? And it's, not, it's good that you're there with them, you care for them. What, but what they really need to do in their times of struggle and they're, when they're hurting or whatever is they need to latch on to God. So how are you, how are you, what are the promises of God that you're saying to them in those situations. Again, it's, it's great that you're with them, spending time with them, all that sort of stuff, but what are the promises of God you're pointing them to? Last thing you see with this, it says the two of them made a covenant before the Lord. This is like uh, you taking time and just praying with your friend. I know that's super weird and awkward, but if your friend is really struggling to say, hey, you mind if I just pray for you real quick? And you're like, I don't even know how to pray, but okay, whatever. And even if you're, if you're just praying for him, just pray some of the promises of God. Hey, God, hey, I pray that my friend would know that you're with them and you care for him today. It doesn't have to be long. Um, but that is, this is so awesome, the way that he practically uh, encourages, uh, encourages him. And again, you see that here, David is not being treated like a trophy or a commodity. He's really being loved and cared for. Jonathan doesn't care what it costs him to be a real friend. So, at your tables, real quick, what, uh, from, what, uh, from the way Jonathan encouraged David, uh, what could you incorporate as you encourage your friends? Whether it's pursuing others, strengthening them in the Lord, reminding them of God's promises, praying for them. What do you think for you uh, would be, hey, as I encourage my friends, this is maybe something I could learn from this example. Okay? That makes sense? Go. Talk to your table. Two minutes. Okay, um, if I have your attention. So um, that was a little bit of, of kind of some of that, uh, what, we should, what we should be doing. I want to look at now a little bit of the why, okay? 
Now, as, as the, as the uh, story about Jonathan and David advances and continues, uh, eventually one day, uh, both Saul and Jonathan and a bunch of Saul's sons all die in battle uh, the same day. A lot of his, the line uh, perishes that day. David weeps over, David weeps over that. A bunch more of the story is here, but eventually, he, this is now, you know, 10 years later, he's king, he's doing well, God has established his throne, uh, God has made a covenant with David, um, and things are going really, really, really well uh, for David. He is prospering. And then this is what we read in 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1. It says, And David asked, Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul who I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? He's like, man, things are going really well for me. I've been really, really blessed. Hey, is there anyone I could bless? I mean, he's embodying this blessed to bless uh, mentality here, right? And we read this in verse 2. Now, there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They summoned him to appear before David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba? At your service, he replied. The king asked, Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul who I can show God's kindness? So he calls this guy um, and into him. Now, you got to keep in mind, in that day, it was very common. If there was a new king in town, he would kill off all other potential heirs, all anyone else who could claim a right to the throne. So Ziba's probably getting called in, and he's like, oh, dang. Uh, who does David want to, who does David want to kill today? This could be a problem, right? I'm going to have to rat out someone and, uh, someone's probably going to die. That's what he's thinking. But instead of that, he comes and David says, who can I show God's kindness to? Who can I show God's kindness? The world is saying, kill them off, kill off all the competition, but David is in this, hey, I have been richly, richly blessed. God has made this covenant with me, has promised to me, done all these awesome things for me. Who can I bless? You think about it for us as it relates to God. God's forgiven us. Who can I forgive? God's loved me. Who can I love? God has been there for me. Who can I be there for? God deals with all my junk. Who can I bear with someone else's junk? Okay. Um, he continues, uh, middle of three in verse four, he says, Ziva answered the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. Uh, so there's his son, but he's crippled. Now, it's a different day and age than today. If you were crippled in that day and age, it's not like they had wheelchair accessible, handicap accessible ramps and all that sort of stuff, right? Like it was bad news for you. Um, you would end up most of the time being a beggar and, and um, uh, made fun of and a lot of, lot of other problems there. And Ziba answered, the, the, where is he? The king said, Ziba answered, he is in the house of Makir, the son of Emil in Lodabar. Lodabar uh, literally means, uh, literally means a, a place of nothing or of nothing, right? He's basically saying, uh, yeah, there is this son but he's crippled and he's worthless. Why, like you're looking someone, for someone to care about. You are now looking for a crippled, worthless person. Okay? Um, but uh, David, David continues in verse 5. And King David had him brought from Lodabar from the house of Makir, the son of Meal, when Mephibosheth, 
son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David. He bowed down to him to pay honor. Again, Mephibosheth was probably thinking, well, I got to live these last 10 years. I guess that was pretty good. Now I'm about to get my head cut off, okay? And David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replies. Again, Mephibosheth is probably like shaking his boots like, well, I probably wasn't wearing boots because he's crippled. Um, uh, and uh, it, says, um, it says a few chapters previously uh, that when, when, uh, when they heard of Jonathan's death, uh, his nurse came and grabbed uh, Mephibosheth as a baby, and she was in such a hurry to get him out of town because they thought he was going to die uh, get executed. She tripped down the stairs and crushed his feet. Um, and uh, anyway, Mephibosheth is like probably really shaking. And, he sa- and David says to him, don't be afraid for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Okay. So he's promising, one, I'm not going to kill you. Hey, that's a bonus. But on top of that, I want to give you back all the possessions your, your grandfather had. And the whole eating at my table means I am going to provide for all of your future needs. You don't need to work, do anything. You can just come eat with my family and my posse every day. So Mephibosheth, in, just a, in, a, in a matter of a few seconds, went from, I am going to die, to I now have the king protecting me for the rest of my life. I have all the wealth my grandfather had, and I don't even need to pay for anything the rest of my life. Talk about a, like a, a change, uh, a change in, in what he thought, change in expectations, man. And he is just getting God's blessing just richly lavished on him. David has been blessed by God, and he wants to go bless others. And we read this in verse 8. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? That's what Mephibosheth thinks about himself. He's like, I'm a dead dog. Like, why are you giving anything to me, right? I'm just some dead carcass on the side of the road. Dogs back then were not like their pets, right, okay? He's like, I'm just like a Something no one cares about. Why are you looking at me? Everything in that day would have pointed to Mephibosheth getting executed, and now he has been richly blessed. There's a little more to the story in here, but it ends with this. And, and Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. He was lame in both feet. He, got, uh, he, he always hung out with uh, David the rest of his life. Um. And, and as, I think, as you think about this, right, and the, what would motivate David, the kind of why behind it, is David understood that he was richly blessed financially, relationally, in every arena, he was richly blessed. And if he was so blessed, why wouldn't I be a blessing uh, to others? He doesn't view uh, Mephibosheth as just, um, just some commodity. If he was a commodity, I can kill him. He doesn't view him as a, a trophy. Hey, what, what can I get from this? He's not getting anything out of it. He didn't, no one thought he was cooler or anything else because he had Mephibosheth hanging out with him. He was a person, and God blessed David, so David wanted to bless him relationally. Okay, at your tables. 
Um, I know this is a, a tough question, tough to think about, um, because we're going to transition, because you're like, well, have I been blessed relationally, right? Like, we're talking about relational things, like, hey, I know I should be a blessing to others relationally, but have I been blessed relationally? So, I want you to talk about it at your tables for a minute. Do you see yourself as blessed relationally? Why or why not? How do you think seeing yourself as blessed relationally would impact your friendships? Two minutes at your tables, go. I think this area of blessed to blessed to blessed can be a, a little harder for us um, because, you know, when I was talking two weeks ago about, you know, that we're financially wealthy, you were like, yeah, yeah, I can see that compared to uh, guys in Haiti that I'm rich. But you might be thinking, but as I look, I, I don't really think I have a lot of great friends, right? I don't know. I, I just don't, I'm not really close to people and, you know, bullies and all those things. I have I really been blessed uh, in this way? Well, several things I would like for you to consider, and the first few may not apply to all of you, but the last one I, I know does apply uh, to all of you. Um, the first one I would encourage you to consider is almost all of you in this room uh, have parents who I believe really genuinely love and support you. Um, yes, they are imperfect, um, but again, it, we, I mentioned Haiti a, a few seconds ago. I uh, work with a lot of uh, orphans in Haiti, and no one ends up in a Haitian orphanage without some hard backstory behind it, right? Um, your parents may be weird and quirky. Um, I know at least uh, two students here in this room have a, a weird and quirky dad. Um, but you can't I think a lot of times as students, we underestimate the blessing of the parents that we have. Um, I used to think of my dad as, and sometimes just kind of like shake my head like, oh my gosh. Oh, he's such a boomer. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, but the more, sh hey guys, the more I saw my friends' dads, um, when I became a dad myself, I quickly realized my dad was quirky, but he cared a lot about me, and he sacrificed a ton for me, and I was really, really blessed, uh, blessed by him. Another way I think a lot of you have been, have been blessed, and this would not be applicable to me in junior high, but I think applicable to a lot of, a lot of you today, um, you, have a, you have a natural popularity. A lot, of you, a lot of you I know here have a lot of friends at school. And, and in uh, sports teams, and you have a giftedness in, in a lot of different arenas. And the question I would have for you is, what are you doing with that, right? Is, is your popularity or your athletic ability, which gets other people to think you're cool, your music ability, whichever gets people to think you're cool, a lot of this is going back to what John was talking about last week with your talents, your artistic, musical, funniness, whatever that ability you have, do you use it to become about me and get attention from me and look at how awesome I am? I got my posse of friends around me because I'm so cool. Or will you use that relational capital that you have to care about other people? Could you invite that other person into your friend group, right? Um, 
You may have your friend group. You got, hey, we got our four people and we always hang out. My friends, we're, you know, the four of us are really tight. Could you invite in one more? I know there's a lot of people that are on the outside. I mean, man, I see the friends they have and that times they hang out. They always seem to have fun together. I'm just kind of sitting alone. Would you be open to inviting in one more? You know, I, just a specific challenge. I know there's several clicks, and not, no, not that anyone here is like mean or rude uh, to other people, um, but I think a lot of times we're not really looking to expand our friend groups. I got my two, three people I hang out with, and I'm cool, right? This week, when your group of two, three, four friends are hanging out, would you consider inviting one more? It's a really simple challenge in, in application. Can someone else join your posse? I think back to uh, when I was a student in high school. I was really impressed. The one other uh, student in the youth group that, that when I was there, they had a, it was a group of them, they had their kind of posse of friends. Um, but they were always willing to invite someone else to it. They're like, hey, we're going bowling to, you know, this was crazy. There's a kid that, uh, 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 a brother and sister that walked into our youth group for the very first time oh, this one Sunday morning. I still remember it, right? And, and they just, you know, said hi to him, blah, 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 blah. And about 10 minutes later, they're like, hey, this afternoon, a bunch of us are going bowling together. You want to come? Think about the power that that would have, right, to include people. But do we even, do we even consider that, the, hey, there are other people around. Maybe I could uh, invite them to be part of, a part of our group. Another uh, student in the youth group, Several years ago, he's probably now been like the groomsman at like 15 different weddings. Um, he's married now as well. But the, I think the reason he has so many deep friendships is he was always the person who was willing to text someone else and be like, hey, this is what I'm doing tonight. Love for you. You know, come hang out. This is what we're doing. This is what we're doing. You should come. And he, would, he was willing to be the initiator. Again, I, I know so many of you guys sit at home on a weekend or whenever, and you're like, man, I'd love to hang out with a friend. But you're waiting for someone else to initiate. Be the one who takes that first step and says, hey, I want to go ice skating tonight. Here's the deal, details, and when the Ashburn Ice House is open, I want to go. I'll text a few of my friends. This is what we're doing. I don't know what you like to do. Figure out something. Um... You know, again, your world, man, your world is starving for relationships. It's really struggling. And you have the choice to say, hey, I'm going to be starving too, and I'm going to be sad about it too, or I can invest in others. Because the last way where I would say every one of us has been blessed relationship relationally is the relationship God offers you and me. And I know it's kind of cliche, oh yeah, Aaron's talking about Jesus again. I kind of do that a lot. But think about it for a second, okay? Romans 5.8 says, while you were a sinner, while I was a sinner, Christ died for us. It doesn't say, while Aaron Osborne was super awesome, right, and a sexy white dude, Jesus died for him, right? Hey, I got I got I got I got Boy, sometime. Anyway, um, that's not what God says, right? While you were a sinner, while I was a sinner, the God of the universe sent Jesus Christ into this, into this world to live a perfect life, 
his one and only son to die on a cross for your sins and for my sins. He said, your sin, my sin, had made a barrier between me and God. I had been separated from God. I could not have a good relationship with God. He is perfect. I am not. There's this separation between me and God. But God's like, I want a relationship with you. I want to know you. I want you to be able to know me. So what am I going to do about it? I'm going to send my son to die. I care about you and me so much. I'm willing to die for it. And Jesus died on a cross to pay the penalty for our sins. And then he rose again three days later to give life to anyone who would believe in him. You talk about relationally blessed. And God says, if you have put your faith in him, your sins, past, present, and future, are paid for. You have a relationship with God now, and you will spend an eternity with God in heaven. Again, talk about being relationally blessed. And no, this is a God who knows everything about you, everything you've ever done, every good thing you've done, and every really, really bad thing and messed up thing and jacked up thing about you. And he still says, I love you. Now, if, if right now, and for the next week, there was a little screen on my forehead that just broadcast every thought, just would tell you every thought that I had going on in my head. Oh my gosh, at the end of the week, none of you would ever want to talk to me again, right? I think the same thing is true for each one of us. If we each had, we each had little windows into our brain and everyone could read our thoughts, people were like, you are one jacked up person, see you later, you know? Because that's the thing. God knows how jacked up my brain is, how messed up I am, and he still says, I chose to die for you, I love you, I want a relationship with you. I want to spend eternity with you. We talk about relation blessing. Oh my gosh, has my God and our God so relationally blessed each of us. And man, and this is why, you know, I would do things like forgive. In Ephesians 4, it says we are to forgive just as in Christ God forgave you. Uh, this is why we're to bear with each other's burdens. It talks about in Galatians 6, right? I bear with each other's burdens. Why? Because God's done this for me, right? I love because he first loved me, as it talks about in 1 John, right? These are all the uh, practicals of how we bless others because we have been relationally blessed. Um, there, there are days where I just, I know I'm kind of in an annoying, obnoxious mood, right? Where I just, I don't know. Maybe you guys are all perfect and you never have days where you're like, and there's been a few times where I'm kind of in a mood, right? And Abby will be like, Abby's my wife, like, Aaron, you need to go to your McDonald's and go read, do something, get, you know, go spend some time with the Lord. She, they, they, God and I just commune in the McDonald's booth. I'm sorry. Okay. Commune with the Lord and then come back and talk to the rest of us. Why? Because I need to receive from the Lord. I need to understand the way God has blessed me and then I can go out and bless others. And that's what I pray that you and I would see today. People are no longer trophies and commodities when I have been so richly blessed by the God of the universe. When I understand that blessing, when I see what he has done for me, you're not a trophy, you're a commodity. You're an, you are another person who the God of the universe died for. And I want to love you, I want to care for you, I want to serve you, I want to help you. Because I want you to know that truth about my God and how awesome he is too. Right? I want to encourage you not to think I'm awesome because, I want, because my God is awesome. This is what my God has done for me.
man, the love of Christ frees us. So we're not worried about all the other things everyone else is worried about. So I can love and serve other people. I know I've mentioned this a lot, so if you think I'm a broken record, maybe I am. I think most of you, actually pretty much all of you, really like First Fruits Summer Camp Winter Treat if you've participated in it before. And you know why you like them? Because you're around other people for the day with a common purpose. You're around other people for the week with a common goal, common mission. Friends matter. People matter. Relationships matter. It's not about the stuff I get from my relationships. It's not about the status I get from relationships, the money I get from the relationships. People matter. They're not, people are not trophies or commodities. They are, they are created in the image and likeness of God, loved by their creator, and their creator died for, for you and for me. They have a value. That's why I have been blessed, and I want to be a blessing those around me. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you um, that you have so, so, so loved us, cared for us, invested in us, died for us. Man, you have been so good to us, Lord. And God, help us to, to see that, remember that, know that, dwell in that truth, Lord. Um, and God, as we, as we do that, Lord, as we understand the ways that you have blessed us. God, may we go out and be a blessing to those around us. May we forgive as we've been forgiven. May we bear with one another. May we love as we've been loved. All those things, Lord, out of an overflow of who you are and what you've done for us, Lord. God, may we just understand how good you are and because of that, go out and be caring, loving, and and et cetera for those around us, Lord. You are an awesome and holy and good God. We give you praise and thanks today. Uh, May everything we say and do today be about you because you are God and you're good. In your son's name we pray, amen.